Hi, I'm Alan Hill, the nostalgic vagabond. I lived out of a backpack for many years during my 20s and some 30s. I'm less of a nomad these days. In this podcast series, I'm catching up with old friends, wonderful people I've met on the Traveller's Trek. And what better time is there to catch up, reminisce, and see how everyone is getting on in 2020? I hope you enjoy hearing about our journeys as much as we've enjoyed sharing. On this episode, my lovely guest is Tiziana Volpe. Born and raised in Genova, Italy, Tiziana has been abroad on many occasions to study, to work, and to adventure. She now finds herself settling in Dublin, Ireland, and has fallen in love with the place. I can't blame her. It's pretty ace. Tiziana, long time. Very long time. Yeah, I was just thinking earlier, I think the last time I saw you was maybe in London in 2013. Do you remember? Yeah. I was in London with my friend Ali from Liverpool. Yeah, and we met next to a Starbucks or somewhere. Camden Town, if I remember correctly. Seven years ago. Wow. First time we met was in 2012 when I was doing my second stint in Canada. I remember you were the first person, actually, who told me about the Erasmus program. Do you remember that conversation? Uh, yeah. I vaguely remember that. I could see myself talking about the Erasmus program. Yeah, I was a big fan. It was the first time I'd actually heard of Erasmus program from you. And I was just wondering if you could explain what it is and what it meant for you. And you went to Greece. So why Greece? Well, I actually didn't go to Greece. I went to Greece on holiday. My Erasmus was in France. (laughs) Misremembered information. This is what happens with age could also be cumulative volume of beer consumed over time. Maybe it's both. Greece was just where you had your fun. Exactly, yeah. Ah. (laughs) That's right. I had my fun during my Erasmus as well. But yeah, to answer your question, uh, the Erasmus program is basically um, a European uh, program for um, university students that um, gives uh, students the chance to do an exchange in any European country. can be um, one semester or two semesters, so some students would do that for um, six months, some students would do that for the whole year. Uh, I personally did it for only half a year. And um, yeah, and the, the goal really is for your university to have this uh, agreement with another university in Europe, so you can do that basically anywhere, France, in the UK, in the Nordics, in Spain, really anywhere in Europe. And uh, you, you basically would do the courses that you would do in your university, in a foreign university. So it's, uh, it's really a great opportunity uh, from a point of view of, you know, getting to know another culture, uh, meeting new people, having fun, um, see how also universities in a different country work. So it's really, uh, it's a real mind opening experience. What kind of impact did that have on you? Was it uh, a a maturing experience or a growing experience? And did it change you in any way? It was certainly a growing experience uh, that changed me uh, for the better. First of all, it was the first time that I I lived for a long time in a different country. So it wasn't just, you know, the two, three weeks, month, holiday. Uh, It was a full semester of me having to find a place, make new friends, go to a new university and all the admin processes that go with it, speak a different language. 
So I felt that I was really responsible for myself and it made me realize that I loved that, that it was a growing experience and that I wanted to keep doing that for as long as I could. So this wasn't your first experience traveling outside of Italy, but was it your first experience living by yourself and existing outside of Italy? It was, yeah. When I met you in Canada, was that your first experience outside of the European zone? Um, so if we're talking about living abroad, um, yes, because I had been uh, in the US when I was about 16 years old for a full month in one of those study holidays um, where you go uh, to learn English if you're not a native English speaker, obviously, and uh, quite different though, because obviously you have someone who looks after your accommodation, uh, your meals, uh, plans your days with English classes and stuff. So I definitely say Canada was the first time that I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I just booked a flight, booked a hostel, and I was there trying to find a job, learn what living in Canada means, make friends. Um, was different from Erasmus because during your Erasmus, you have your university program, which is planned for you. So you know you're going to go to university. Whereas uh, Canada, I knew I had to find a job somehow. So um, that was an amazing experience. I remember you were so, so organized. You had lists and notebooks of information and you were on your laptop searching for jobs and apartments and all kinds of things. Were you always this way or did you realize that you needed to be this way to be successful? Well, I've kind of always been that way um, and that hasn't changed today, I would say. Um, I think it's just, you know, when you're in a situation of complete uncertainty, because that's you know, you know, that's where you're at when you're going to a new country and you don't have a job and you don't have a place to stay. I think my way of kind of controlling that and my way to to make myself feel relaxed about it is know that I'm organized, that I know what my next step is. I still do that nowadays, but I remember thinking, okay, I want to have at least X amount of uh, job interviews. I want to have at least X amount of viewings for places. And I could do that by researching, making lists, taking appointments. So you've always been quite an organized person. And that's how you cope with being in a foreign environment and dealing with all the different experiences that you have to learn. I was wondering if you made any particular mistakes or you had any challenges in establishing yourself in Toronto in Canada. I guess uh, the mistake, if we want to call it that way, was having very different expectations from what actually reality was. So probably because it was my first experience, I thought it was going to be all fun and all smooth and easy, you know, landing in Canada in the middle of the winter and, you know, finding a place, making friends. And then when I got there, I soon realized that it wasn't all that easy and that it was extremely uncomfortable. And these are things that... I didn't, I should have expected, but I didn't expect because I guess you're so excited about going to a new country that you don't think of the tough part, which is being away from your friends and family and not knowing anyone and the whole uncertainty. So I think this would be the, the, the missed, uh, like the, the, the lack of the right expectations was probably the main mistake. That's, that's the main thing. In terms of expectations, I remember one time seeing you after you'd been out. I forget whether it was looking for a job or looking for an apartment, but you came back missing your appointment because you hadn't realized how long the streets were in Canada. Yeah. 
That's so funny because obviously I'm Italian and in Italy, if you see the name of a street, like you go to that street and it's not going to take you longer than five, 10 minutes until you go from one end to the other. But obviously that's not the same in Canada, in Toronto and in many other countries, I'm sure, where you have the north side and the south side of the street and east and west. And it's not at all the same. It could take you hours to go from one end to the other. And I remember thinking, yeah, I can't be that far, <laughs> but I was. You, you, were, you were miles away. <laughs> I was, yeah. And I was so disappointed. So that was an interesting lesson learned in different cultural uh, experiences between, I guess, Europe and the North American, and I guess Australia too, with the amount of space that they have in comparison. Definitely. Moving on from there, you ended up going back to France and studying again. Yeah, that is right. Yeah. The experience was similar in a way to Canada where you were living on your own, but this time you were going to university again. Had you brought any uh, experiences or any knowledge from your time living abroad in Canada to when you went back to, it was Lyon this time, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, you remember all of it. So, um, yeah, I guess the main experience was the feeling comfortable avec, uh, with the, the uncertainty. And by this, I mean that um, as most students, you move into a new country uh, for your studies and you are looking for a place, and at the start you would book a hostel, right? Because you're a student and it's just easier to stay in a hostel, you meet people. And I remember that in France it would be quite tough to find a place as a foreign student just because there's uh, lots of international students and then uh, there's lots of paperwork involved. And uh, so it would take some time. And I was staying in this hostel that I had booked for like a few weeks and I kept extending and extending my staying at the hostel and I was so disappointed because I couldn't get any place and then I thought you know what I actually like hostels so I ended up living in the hostel for a full semester so for six months more or less between September and January um, and uh, that was that was something I was comfortable doing because I was I traveled before um, I don't know if you remember when I finished my stay in Canada I actually traveled around Canada uh, in different hostels and I loved it. So when I was in France, I was much more comfortable with the idea of uncertainty. It was actually, I was thriving in it. So you embraced going with the flow. Definitely. Yeah, much more. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of travelers can experience and, and accept and learn. And then it makes them perhaps even more capable of dealing with strange and weird stresses in their work and professional lives, having just dealt with uncertainty and strange new experiences and accepting it and getting on with it yeah it's definitely something that you learn as you as you travel more and more and then you learn that you know it, it can never go that wrong anyways you know and you always meet good people along the way so ultimately it's always a positive experience most cases at least you were in your early 20s when you were going on these types of adventures do you think that's an ideal age range? You know what? I wouldn't really think there's, a, there's an age for that, right? So yes, I think people would tend to be more adventurous and carefree as they're younger. So in your early 20s, even when you're like 18, 19, early 20s, mid 20s, but why not doing that in your early 30s or in your mid 30s or in your 40s? I think it really depends on where are you in life, right? What's um, what do you feel like doing? Do you feel like you need to experience the world and maybe you haven't done it before and maybe you're 40, go for it. Uh, obviously there's commitments, there's 
life happens, but I wouldn't think there's an ideal age and I hope people are not discouraged from doing that just because they're no longer 20. Right. So it's not so much about being a certain age. It's about being of a certain mindset and wanting to do it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think so. Have you ever met anybody on your travels whom you really admired and and taught you particular things that you've carried through into your life after? Yeah, um, there's a few people that I can think of. Well, when I was um, living in, uh, in France, I'd say I was living with a girl my, my second year in France. I was living with a Finnish girl and she was my roommate. And uh, she was a lot into nutrition and fitness and uh, just the way, the way you fuel your body and how that can influence your whole life and your days and the person you are. And I remember I didn't know anything about that field before. And she really opened my whole mind to that and from that moment I started educating myself and reading about that and seeing just like food and fitness in a different way so this definitely has changed my life and that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't met her so she's definitely uh, one of the people and then let me think um, well when I lived in Mexico as well I met another Italian guy who was also teaching English like me he was like adventurous to the next level he would just decide overnight that he was going to climb a mountain or that he was going to uh, move into a different city and uh, or try a new, a new work experience or um, yeah he was just so adventurous and you could almost think that you know, you can do really anything you want if you want to do that. And it's fun. So um, that kind of brought back the adventurous part of me. Do you think his spontaneity rubbed off on you? Yeah, it definitely did. And then, you know, when you are around those people, you want to you want to be like them. But not really, you don't want to copy them, but it just looks nice and it feels nice and you want to feel like that. And then when you don't see them anymore, you know, it's it's hard to kind of remember how that felt and... Uh, go back to that kind of lifestyle. Certain people's energies can be really contagious. I think for certain personalities, at least I know for myself and perhaps for you, we can have a default setting of being, you know, organized and structured. And when there are no rules and when things are completely open and perhaps uncertain, but not necessarily in a bad way, it can make us a bit nervous. But if we embrace it, we can have experiences that we had, could never have anticipated. I was in uh, Los Angeles and I booked five or seven days. Maybe it was seven days. So it was a whole week at this hostel. And one evening, a friend who'd been at the hostel a few days and we hung out on the beach and went to the theme park at Universal Studios. She came in as I was sending emails back home and being on Facebook. And she said, do you want to go to Vegas? And I said to her, when? She said, tomorrow. And I was thinking, uh, I've booked in another two nights here. Oh, whatever, let's just go. I don't care. And so we went. We got on the bus the next morning and we went to Vegas. And it was mental. Vegas is a crazy place. And if I had have said no, I would have still been in Los Angeles and I would not have had that crazy adventure with new people in Las Vegas. I think sometimes just saying yes is opening up opportunities that you could never have imagined. A hundred percent. Like that sounds so cool. You're, you're right. Like we're so into our structure and plans. Plans can be broken at times, right? The outcome is just so worth it. So totally agree. It's just that we need that one person who helps us break the plan, right? 
yeah, we need to have that one crazy leader who makes us think in a different way and be more open to the uncertainty and the, the possibility, perhaps is a better word, of going on an adventure that we could never have foreseen. A hundred percent, yeah. I was curious, Tiziana, with all the different places you've been and the experiences you've had, what are some of the most important things to you when it comes to being in a foreign and new place? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think for me, uh, the main thing would be to make friends. I think it's important to, to find that person or that group of people and you don't necessarily obviously need to have a huge group just because you know you're new in the country but to find those people that you can rely on those people that you know um that you know are there for you and you'll be there for them so you know like your little family away from home i'm sure you'll agree with me on this the relationships you build when you're abroad they're just so much stronger and they're so much like more long-lasting these are the only people that you have there and you're likely the only person that they have um, in, a, in a different country. So I think uh, meeting good people and making friends with these people and know that you can rely on them and they can rely on you. For me, that would be the number one thing. Yeah, I remember when I was doing army cadet training when I was in high school, we used to go away for a weekend or for a couple of weeks out into the middle of nowhere and have to do crazy drills and go on massive hikes and navigate through the wilderness. And I found that even if I was surrounded by complete strangers, after one week of being together under, you know, a moderate level of stress, you bonded very, very quickly. And I think when traveling and when, especially when you're a solo traveler and you're, you have to be friendly and you have to make new friends or else you will be completely alone, you can bond with people who are the same as you and they're experiencing the same kind of loneliness and willingness to make friends that you connect over something and then you might just spend a few days together, but you grow together very, very fast. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And uh, like you said, it's people who are going through the same thing as you are going. I don't know about you, but every time I get so close with these people and then I go back home at some point and I'm trying to kind of replicate what the like the story and tell the story to my friends and I almost feel what is even the point they won't understand right the people who you know people who maybe don't like traveling that much who've never experienced that and who have their group of friends since they they were kids and then I I remember thinking you know they won't understand the, the intensity you know of the friendship that I've made or the way it felt because the thing that brings the two people together is the fact that they're going through the same as you said you're from Geneva in Italy, right? Yeah. This is, I imagine, a, a place where not so many people have a lifestyle like you. Would that be correct? That's totally correct. You have a bit of trouble explaining your types of adventures and your experiences with other people who maybe don't understand. Yeah, I really do. And uh, I went through like um, an evolution in this sense. In, and by this, I mean, at the start, I was coming back and all excited trying to tell every detail and I wanted to get people excited and then I realized as I said before that people wouldn't really understand and that um, they wouldn't really understand how it felt so I just stopped telling that I would just be very vague yeah uh, whatever Mexico was amazing I met lots of nice people I was doing this job I traveled to these other places but I wouldn't even expect them to understand and I knew that if I wanted someone to understand 
like the intensity of the experience, I would talk to my friends who travel and who've gone through the same. And they're not necessarily Italian or from Geneva. They could be from anywhere. Yeah. Do you sometimes feel like a black sheep? I was talking about this with another Italian friend of mine who's here in Dublin. She's not from Geneva, but she's from Italy. And we were saying that whenever we go back home, it's obviously always nice to go back home, right? Christmas time, um, summertime, whenever we go. But then whenever we go back home, we feel like it's been like we've, we're so used now to a different culture, to a much more open mind, um, different lifestyle. So I definitely don't feel a sense of belonging when I go back home anymore. I can safely and openly and transparently say that. But then obviously I'm now in Dublin that really feels like home, but it's not really home, right? Because I, I wasn't born here and raised here. So we have that sense of where do we actually belong? And, at and it's fine because I know I love living here in Dublin, but I definitely feel like the black sheep when I go home because people think, why wouldn't you live here? Italy is a beautiful country and your family is here. How can you be away from your family and all these things? I can definitely relate to that, Tiziana, because I'm from Australia. I get a lot of similar opinion from people who, who see me living in the UK and they just say, why? Why are you living in this shithole where it rains all the time and not living in Australia, which is a paradise? And, you know, that's a fair question. And my answer normally is, well, in the UK, the beer is cheaper. <laughs> I can't say that when I talk to Italian people, because I'd say the beer is more expensive here than in Italy. <laughs> You're speaking in three languages. Is that right? Yeah. Do you think this is a very important skill for you when traveling around? Or do you think you could get by on less if you had to? No, I could totally get by on less if I had to. I think that it's a big plus to be able to speak the language of the country. It's just, it's just much smoother and easier. Even from an energy perspective, right? You're trying to talk to someone in their language. It requires less energy to understand each other and express whatever you need to express. But I think it's not needed. First of all, like who most people would speak English nowadays, right? I wouldn't say everyone, because if I'm thinking about my parents, for instance, they don't speak English, but most people would speak English and you don't need to know another language to travel. Now, would I recommend learning another language? Yes, because it's good for your brain, because we have so many resources nowadays they're so accessible and free um, I think you can also learn more about another culture if you speak the language but it's by no means a requirement uh, for traveling yeah I, I think I agree perhaps if you're in the middle of nowhere that's really the only time that natural English speakers are forced to speak in a foreign language which is one way it's good but in another way it's bad yeah I know but um, look I think if if we're able to all understand each other by speaking English, then why not? Exactly. With all the different countries you've been, have you got any favorites, any favorite destinations within those countries? Yeah. So if we're talking about my favorite country, as you probably already know, my favorite country is Ireland. So <laughs> I feel so lucky to be able to live in the country that I love with all myself and Dublin uh, as a city. Um, which is probably why I ended up staying here and I never moved after um, I moved over here uh, in 2015. But if we're talking about destination, 
in terms of a place that when I got there, I was left breathless and speechless and I've never seen so much beauty around me. Then it was uh, Alberta in Canada. So um, Banff and Jasper and uh, all those areas. That was definitely the most beautiful place I've ever seen. And you know what? I haven't been back since, but I'd love to go back whenever uh, we can travel again. You were there in the summertime. Yeah, and I actually think you have been the person who suggested I go there. Is it possible? It's very possible. (laughs) Yeah. I'd been through all of those huge regions and had met people from there and had met other people who had visited there. No one ever says anything bad. No one has ever said anything bad. Those guys were written by bears, so they were unable to say anything anyways. I, I knew you a little bit and figured... I knew what type of experience you might have been hunting for. I thought, yeah, this is the place for you. And it worked. And you know, it's so funny. Speaking of things that you learn when you travel, something I would never, ever do today. I was always wearing heels, like no matter what. I don't know if you remember. I remember. (laughs) Whereas now I'm never wearing heels. I'm always in my sports clothes and my uh, sports shoes, my Nikes, Adidas, whatever. And when I went to... To the point that I didn't even own a pair of sports shoes at the time. <laughs> How bad was that? But anyways, when I went to do my um, walking around the mountains in, I uh, uh, can't remember if it was Banff or Jasper, one of the big mountains, I was wearing these boots with heels to like, go up the mountain. And for me, that was totally normal. And I remember meeting this couple of Americans. Uh, they were lovely. And we were chatting. We were having like a snack and talking. And they were saying, Look, you are impressive. I've never seen anyone walking up the mountain with heels. And now I think it's so funny. I'd never do that. It's a funny thing when you, you have interactions with people from different cultures because different cultures have grown up doing things a particular way and, and you learn how different it can be when you find yourself in a, a, a different culture to your own. And then you get strange looks and people just ask, why? And you thinking, why not? This is what I always do. I know. I think they had a point now, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But sometimes it, for me, it's, it's quite a nice thing to just to watch somebody who's obviously from a different place and learn from how they might tackle certain situations when they're in a foreign country. No, definitely. I would agree on that. That day you were upset coming home from walking the whole length of Bloor Street or college street or whatever it was i'm sure you're wearing heels that day as well <laughs> i was and you know what's worse that i think i must have got upset at my sister or my mother during that day because i was expecting them i think i didn't have a smartphone back then i'm pretty sure so i couldn't use google maps i called them and asked them can you check on the computer my address and tell me if i have to go right or left and they tried their best but obviously that made absolutely no sense yeah we we didn't have the tools that we have today anyways i'm sure you can relate to that pre-smartphone going on that topic of technology have you embraced the smartphone with your traveling or do you think it's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse? Look, I think it's definitely a blessing and a curse, more a curse than a blessing. And that's because I have definitely embraced it to a point that I, I no longer need to find my way because I'm relying on Google Maps. What I need to do is make sure my phone is charged rather than thinking, okay, let's look where I'm going and try to figure out what's the right way or use 
you know, different buildings and places to understand what's my way. And, and then also taking pictures and uh, posting stuff. Um, I'm definitely one of the, <laughs> of the big uh, fan of these um, travel ways with smartphones and for lack of a better word. But uh, yeah, I think it's definitely more a course than a blessing. Yeah, I was talking with a, another friend of mine here in Britain. He's a little bit older than me. So he very much remembers traveling pre-technology. And we were chatting the other day about back in the day when we used to actually use paper maps and research and, and write down in our notepad what bus number we need and, and whether we have to go right at this street or left at this street. You had to be more organized. And these days, yeah, providing your phone is charged, you can just rock up, look at your phone and then start walking. Even just checking if a place is open or not, or even where is the nearest, I don't know. Mm, internet cafe to me you you don't need to do anything you just need to have your phone I mean it's obviously very handy and very comfortable but at times I'm wondering yeah how did we even do that yeah we we cannot imagine it how it was before it almost seems scary and that's where the uncertainty perhaps comes into modern traveling is what if I have technology that fails that's my biggest fear of uncertainty yeah definitely um, I remember I was last year I was on holiday this time last year I was in Portugal with my mother um, we would try and meet once a year to go on a holiday together and spend some time together and um, I remember I think my phone overheated it was literally a tragedy for me because well not really because I couldn't find a way because we would have found a way but because how can I do now to take pictures and to text my friends and to post stuff I mean that shouldn't that shouldn't have been the case you know getting so worried I should have just thought that's fine I'll get a new phone whenever I go back home and we spent like two hours walking around Lisbon to find a phone repair center yeah these are the, the times where I regret those moments where I was just you know with my backpack and going around and not worrying about a thing you've traveled a lot on your own and traveled also with family and friends do you have any preference whether you're traveling solo or in a group or do you enjoy aspects of both? So I definitely enjoy aspects of both. If you asked me this question five, six years ago, I would have told you my preference was to travel on my own. And the reason is that I think it's, as you probably can tell as well, it's so much easier to meet new people when you travel on your own. And meeting new people is one of the best things of traveling, right? Learning about where they're from and what they like doing and doing things together. So you're never really on your own, but you have the option if you want to spend some time on your own. And, uh, um, and it's a good way of meeting people. Now, in all honesty, I prefer to travel with friends or with family or anyways with someone. I don't even know why. Probably as I grow older, I prefer that certainty and that stability of having someone with me that I know. Um, that's probably what it is. But um, I think you change your perspective on things as you grow older. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said for what I like to say, having someone to enjoy the moment with. It only has to be one other person. It can be as simple as seeing a clear night and some stars over the desert. Quite a number of times in my traveling experience where I've been somewhere on my own and quite happily been there on my own and seen something beautiful or, you know, a shooting star or a sunset or a wild animal that comes out of the bushes and you didn't expect it. And you just sometimes wish that there was just another person there with you so that 
that moment could be something that you've shared together and you'll never forget it and you can talk about it years later. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is, being able to share the moment with someone. Not that I regret it, but there's been a few things now where it's been purely my experience and I can talk about it, but I can't share about it because I was on my own. It's just, it's my, it's my experience. Yeah. Another thing, Tiziana, I'm curious about with all your traveling experiences, what's your take on traveling with organized tours or organized events or just rocking up and discovering everything and doing everything on your own? So I think I've, I've rarely traveled with organized tours and I wouldn't be the biggest fan for a few reasons. First reason is that anyone is able to organize a trip, right? You can do some research, speaking of, you know, having uh, your phone or your computer, you can do some research and plan the trip based on what you like to see, where you'd like to go, what you'd like to eat. So you can easily plan a trip on your own and it's cheaper as well, right? Because you would pay for the whole organization if someone was to do that for you. And I think while it's good to be organized, you also want to have that flexibility of spending a few extra nights in a place that you love, uh, as opposed to having to meet the rest of the group at 8 a.m. next morning to move into a new city. And by the way, if you're not there by 8 a.m., too bad. Tough luck, right? We're gone. Left behind. See you later. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be the biggest fan. Maybe, maybe as I grow older, I would consider that. Maybe... You know, in a few years time, if I want to do a trip somewhere really far away where I wouldn't be entirely comfortable going on my own, I could consider that. But for now, not really. That's an interesting point. I think for somebody like you, who's very organized and very astute, do you enjoy that part of planning a trip and and managing your own holiday? Yeah, I love it. Even when I go away with friends or family, I'm usually the one who offers to plan and to check where we're going to stay, um, decide the whole itinerary. I enjoy doing that because, first of all, it gets me excited about the holiday. Because, you know, you read about the place, you see images, and you think, wow, it's going to be so cool. Yeah, I don't mind it. I really like doing this kind of planning. I suppose if you were a different kind of person and less organized and, in a sense, couldn't be bothered, the alternative is, is you just have to pay for somebody to do it for you, and sometimes a lot of money. Exactly. Yeah, I'm the same as you, Tiziana. I do, I do enjoy having the flexibility and doing what I want to do and often for a much cheaper price. However, I do quite like sometimes going on organized short tours, maybe one or two days or just for the weekend, mostly because I might get the chance to meet another small group of people who I can share an experience with. Yeah, I think then if we look at the, the aspect of sharing the experience with the people, it's obviously one of the positives. You've moved to Dublin in 2015, you said. Yeah. So you've been there about five years already. Yeah, went by so quickly. Five years ago seems like just yesterday. I know. And you know what? This I knew from the start, from the moment my plane landed here, that this was going to be the place that was going to steal my heart, where I was going to stay and so it's been. So correct me if I'm wrong, but when you arrived in Dublin in 2015, you just had this feeling in your waters that this is where I'm meant to be. Yeah, it's so strange, right? And I don't know, I, I hope, I hope pe most people will be able to feel that because I know 
it's tough to find a place where you actually feel, you know, this is the place for me. And you feel it from the first second when you're around the streets, when you, when you exchange, uh, I don't know, when you, when you just talk to people. Yeah, it's just, I remember, I actually wasn't in Dublin when I first moved here. I was in a small town in Cork County called Yol. Yeah, and I remember for me, it was like living in a dream. The first few months, I was just so happy, even just going for a jog after work and even just going to the office. Yeah, I just knew this was the place for me. And right now, I know that's still the case because every time I leave Dublin to go back home or to go on a trip or I miss Dublin, I miss Ireland. It's like, it's like you miss a partner, right? And then you come back and you feel that it's been there for you all along, even if you were away and you're just so happy. Um, so I don't know, have you ever felt like that about a place? For me, yeah, I've, I've had that experience with the UK. I remember back in 2012, I was in Australia for some months and I figured, oh, my, my holidays and my traveling days and my crazy carefree days are over now. So now I'm back in Australia and I'll just move on with my life. I think I was 20, 26, 27, I, mid to late 20s. So I figured, yeah, this is about the time where I need to start figuring out what I want to do. And I was only in Australia for a few months and I was trying to get particular jobs or just to find my place in Australia. I didn't work. I just one day was at my parents' house and just bought a ticket on Emirates and went straight back to London Heathrow. And I arrived in the, just before the Olympics, it was in 2012. I just thought this feels more like home, at least, than where I was back in Australia. However, I'm not sure if I'm at the same, the same stage as you, Tiziana, because I don't quite think I have the same attachment and feeling with where I am now as you have with Dublin. Had you been to Ireland before you arrived in 2015? Yeah, so I was in Ireland a few times before. So the first time I actually came to Ireland, fun fact, I was only 12. My parents sent me over here on my own in the summer for a full month to learn English, where I wasn't really on my own. I was in one of those study holidays. It was also my first time taking a flight ever. And I think, I don't know if that's, that has anything to do with this, probably because, you know, you're 12, you're in a new country for the first time. Uh, where they're speaking the language that you always see on TV, because I was from this city in Italy. It was really tough at the start, because obviously I was missing my friends and my family, and I was quite young. But um, I remember coming back home feeling so enriched. And maybe, I don't remember particularly thinking that I loved Dublin and Ireland, but maybe I associate this country to that first experience where I realized how strong I was and how cool it was to make new friends abroad. And maybe that's what it is. And you were only 12 years old. I was 12, yeah. Wow. You got sent away to quite a few language courses when you were in school days. Yeah, I did. I think uh, most summers since the age of 12, I was sent over to the UK and to Scotland and uh, to the US, to Malta. Makes sense why your English is so good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Do I have the Irish accent or not yet? No way. You still sound the same to me as I remember. Maybe a little slightly less inflection, but I don't think you ever had a particularly strong Italian accent anyway. Yeah. Did you ever have some places that are English speaking places where you found the accent to be a lot more difficult than others? To be honest, not really. Um, no, I wouldn't say so. I think I've always, well, when I moved to Ireland in this small town in Cork County, 
it was probably as tough as it's got in terms of understanding other people speaking English, but I quickly got used to that. So no. You quickly acquired it. Yeah. I will probably found, find it tough if I was to move to Scotland now. Maybe. I think you might be selling yourself short a bit there. You've got a large eclectic range of English accents that you've lived in and met people in. I mean, Glasgow might be one of the tougher areas of, of Scotland to understand, but I think it wouldn't be an issue for you. I'll find out next time I go. Yeah, when we're allowed to. <laughs> yeah. So I've got a question for you. If I gave you 2,000 euro right now, where would you travel and spend it? I know the answer to that question. I would go to Alaska. Wow. I don't know if you remember, we spoke about that uh, before. You obviously know the movie Into the Wild. Of course. I remember the first time I watched the movie, my dream was to go to Alaska, just because the, the place looks obviously stunning. And uh, I haven't been, I've never been, and I haven't planned any trip to Alaska. That's the, the first place that I'd love to visit. I remember that movie had quite a significant impact on me as well, because I was actually not particularly healthy and well when I saw that. I think it was 2008. I, I'd finished university in 2007 and I'd lost a lot of weight and I moved back home with my parents and I was just recovering. Uh, I think I picked up some weird virus or something, but for a few months I was not very healthy. And I remember I was watching a lot of my sister's DVD collection, which as you can imagine was mostly chick flicks and uh, fairly crappy <laughs> PG movies. I came across this film, Into the Wild, and yeah, I watched it in, in that time in my life where I was quite down and depressed and, and not very well. And it did really give me a yearning to leave where I was living and go and explore anywhere outside of my comfort zone. I would like to make a pilgrimage and try and go see that bus. That could be a fun experience to share. Is the bus still there? I think the bus is still there. Unfortunately, a lot of people have found it and it's obviously deteriorated a lot more than in 2007, 2008, just after they'd made the film. Makes sense. But yeah, I'd love to go. Could be fun to watch out for those bears though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so are you planning any trips more close to home in Europe at the moment? Not for now. Well, I'm going back to Italy now in three weeks just to get some sunshine and spend some time with my friends and family. Uh, we don't really see much sun lately here in Dublin. So, <laughs> yeah. An Italian who's so used to living on the sea and used to the sun lives in Dublin in Ireland where the sun is a rarity. You are in a similar way like me. I'm from the Pacific Ocean in Australia, used to having almost sun days every day. And now I live in Liverpool where it's grey pretty much as grey as Dublin. You either have to accept it or you don't live there. Exactly, 100%. And there is one thing I really don't understand. Um, it's people who live here in Dublin that are maybe from Italy, from France, from Spain, and all they do is complaining about the weather. And I'm thinking, why are you even here then if you don't like the weather, right? I personally think, I, I'm obviously Italian, but when it comes to the weather, I actually don't mind the rain the clouds, the grey sky. I think it gives some sort of nice atmosphere uh, that makes the place even nicer. Uh, but I get it. Like, I think people who are used to the sun can find it tougher. 
I agree. I think you have to accept the reality and in a way embrace it because Dublin exists with the rain and, and that's what makes it Dublin, you know. I think in a similar way to Liverpool, I don't think the music scene would be the same if not for such bad weather because people don't do so much outside. They want to be inside. They want to be in a pub and they play games and they make music and they have fun in the pub. Yeah, exactly. For you, it's also very convenient and good just to hop on a plane, go back and see your friends and family and get some sun. Yeah, exactly. The flights are, are pretty quick, quite cheap as well. So um, yeah, it doesn't take long to, to go back home. It's, it's a bit different to get back to Australia. Oh yeah. How long would it take you from where you are now? In Liverpool? Yeah. Well, I normally take a flight from London because it's just easier. So if we're just talking about taking a flight from London, the the quickest I've got from London to, let's say, Sydney or Melbourne is around 25 hours, which is pretty good. Wow. Yeah. You could easily find a flight for 30 plus hours. It depends on the route and it depends on the layovers. I try to find one that's as efficient as possible. Right. Yeah. It's definitely different for me. <laughs> Fast five. Five quick fire questions require five quick fire answers. My guests must answer five random questions about traveling without thinking too much. Question one, hotel or hostel? Hotel. Question two, northern or southern? Northern. Question three, mountains or beaches? Beaches. Question four, beer or wine? Wine. Question five, Google Maps or paper maps? Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might choose that one. Yeah. Fast five. 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 I'm curious why you chose hotel over hostel, though. I think it's just going back to what we were saying. My adventures, uh, the adventurous part of me, um, I think it, it kind of stayed in Mexico or somewhere. I, I think it also relates to, you know, to the income I have now. So um, I, I think when, when I was a student um, or when I was at my first job, I was obviously on a lower income or no income at all. So hostel was, um, well, it was the best option anyways uh, for what I wanted at the time. But it was also also the only option, really. Whereas now I feel that it's a, it's a very chaotic life running around all the time, work and sports and learning and volunteering and all these things. So if I was to choose a holiday, I would stay in a hotel right now. Depends on the type of holiday as well. Definitely. Yeah, I understand. It's, it's a lot more comfortable and that's what you pay for. Yeah. Are you drinking Guinness? I love Guinness. So the first drink I had after this lockdown, the pubs opened two weeks ago. I don't know if that was the same in the UK. More or less. Yeah. And the first drink I was literally dying for was the pint of Guinness. A well-poured pint of Guinness. So I love Guinness. Do I drink it now that often? Like normally? Not really, because it's still quite heavy. And I'm a big uh, fan of wine and Prosecco. So I'd, I'd go for the wine instead. But uh, I love Guinness. Yeah, everything in moderation, though, especially if you're so keen on your fitness and health regime these days. Exactly. Yeah. I think you enjoy it more, too, if you have it every now and then as opposed to all the time. Yeah, 100 percent. 
there's definitely something to say about having a pint of Guinness in Dublin than anywhere else in the world. I think it's true. I used to think it can't taste that different, but I must agree now. And to the point that I even know the pubs in Dublin where you can get a good pint of Guinness and the ones where you might as well stay away from it. You are becoming more and more Irish all the time. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got a couple of remaining things I'd like to talk to you about, if that's okay. Yeah. I was wondering if you could share a piece of advice to the listeners on anything that you've learned through your traveling adventures that you might think could be beneficial to somebody who maybe is thinking about going somewhere new, maybe somewhere far away, but is not quite sure. Yeah, I think there's two main things. The first one is, if you're not sure, just go for it, do it, because um, there's always lots of learning coming from it. And I can guarantee most of the times, if not all of the times, you'll be happy with your experience and it will be the best experience of your life. So if you're thinking about this in this moment and you're not sure, just go and you will not regret it. The second one is related to, I guess, to all the great people I've met in my trips, even at times where I was feeling not so well or not so confident about my choice of traveling. And I think it's that the world is full of good people and like you'll meet great people. So uh, just trust the people that come your way because most people are good people and they mean well and they're helpful. And um, at times we tend to get suspicious and we tend to see the bad in people, but let's try to see the good in people because people are good. I agree. I think if you look for the good in people rather than trying to find the tiniest bit of bad, it's not the best mindset to be in, especially when you're traveling. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting that I've been talking with a few people around the world that have said opposite things. They've said that during the lockdown, they've felt more isolated than ever. And other people have said they've felt more connected than ever. What's your stance on that? I definitely felt more connected than ever uh, in general to the world and to my friends and family. And the reason is that, like, I don't know you, but I, for me, it was just incredible that for once in my life, any person, any country, anyone I could think of, anyone that I knew or that I didn't know was in the same situation as me. So I thought, okay, I'm here. I can't go further than X amount of kilometers. I'm lining outside the supermarket for hours. As bad as it is, everyone else is in the same situation. And I feel that people got so... In Ireland, people are naturally friendly and like helpful, but I feel that there was so much solidarity and so much mutual understanding and we're all in this together and I and that was the great thing if we can say so of this pandemic that we're all in this together and people were helpful people were being kind to each other I've seen so much kindness so definitely I felt more connected than ever when it comes to my friends and family so I'm obviously always away from my friends and family so not much changed but it's like during this pandemic we we're trying to organize all these Zoom calls and all these calls that we wouldn't have normally done. But I think because we knew that we couldn't see each other for longer this time, I, I was much more in touch with them than I usually am. So definitely the second one for me. What about you? For me, I obviously am a long way away from my family in Australia. And so I was quite used to 
being physically a far away and having to use even with a big time difference uh internet and video conferencing to stay in touch with them that was more or less the same um what i decided to do early on in the lockdown because i thought people might be going through a very strange adjustment period i made sure that i called at least one person per day whether it was a whatsapp call an actual phone call or a video call whatever i would just think of somebody and go oh i'm going to call that person or i'm going to arrange to call that person and hopefully they'll have time even with weird time differences in different countries and so i spoke to some people that i hadn't actually spoken to for years yeah it was interesting because they almost didn't have an excuse to say no exactly. <laughs> because they can't do anything else <laughs> and so it wasn't just that so much it was because i was i was never sure if if they were getting calls because you can never know what a person's situation is and if somebody for example wasn't going to hear a call from anybody in that day it was going to be me because i was going to make the effort and call somebody and so yeah i i did that and it was quite nice and it would be nice to continue that even when things come back to like a normal life again but it's hard to say whether people will revert back to the life before or whether they will capture and maintain these new lifestyle choices and and maintaining connections with people into the future. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I'd like to think that this this whole pandemic really brought people closer than ever. Even the idea that, you know, the uncertainty of not knowing when I'm going to see this person again made us probably value the dear people around us more than we usually do and just not give anything for granted and I, I'm hoping to be able to carry this with me. Thanks for listening to the Nostalgic Vagabond. My guest today has been Tiziana Volpe. There are more episodes in this podcast series where you can hear different tales from other fellow travelers. Check them out anywhere you can grab good podcasts. And big ups to Tom Forfa for creating the soundtrack to the series. Don't forget, your journey is special. Own it. I've been Alan Hill. Until next time. It was yeah it was very nice I enjoyed it so much I've never recorded a podcast I love it